from deep inside your audio device of choice. Okay, this is the first live origination of this program in three months. And uh, I have to admit, I may not know what I'm doing. I may not remember what I'm supposed to be doing or what I should be doing to get what I want to get. See? But we'll we'll struggle through. We've we've um, fought bigger battles and lost before. So what the hell? Um, it's um, it's a, a move I was trying to make for some time back to New Orleans. Um, motivated partly by the fact that I was at the beach in Southern California in the year when 17 million gallons of raw sewage were dumped in the ocean. Right, right out, you know, steps from my front door, followed by uh, a big oil spill, a little farther south. But you know, well, oil and water, well, they don't mix, but they, water will transport oil. That's the part they didn't tell you. So, I'm glad to be back in New Orleans, where there's a lot of music. The, these um, couple of weeks, trying to make up for the lack of uh, the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival, which had been postponed from spring, but then got postponed again, double postponed. There's there's no pwn left. Meanwhile, here's a guy who has real problems. I think you've heard of him, Donald Trump. A number of high-powered lawyers who've represented him in the past are have chosen to sit out his, his current legal battles. This left him, according to CNN, with a relatively small legal team without a lot of experience litigating issues of executive privilege. He's readying for court fights on that subject, as is Steve Bannon. I think Steve lives for that stuff. Some go-to attorneys, according to CNN, have been spooked by Trump's reputation for sometimes not paying his legal bills. That could do it. The lawyers I know, well, I don't know if that's such a good deal, they'd say. Um, William Burke, a lawyer who represented 11 Trump associates through the um, Mueller investigations, he turned Trump down three times in recent months because he wanted to stay away from how toxic Trump's situation has become. Trump says, as quoted by CNN, is saying, I do pay my lawyers when they do a good job. <laughs> that is fair warning, ladies and gentlemen. And um, longtime Trump firms like Jones Day announced publicly they wouldn't be involved in his legal challenges to the election. An assistant former attorney general with experience in congressional subpoena fights, Charles Cooper, said he's going to watch... Fights about Trump and executive privilege, quote, from the bleachers. And um, the most quotable of the attorneys who's um, not weighing in, except verbally, is John Yu. Quotes, it's not a 10-foot pole, unquote, for law firms distancing themselves from Trump. Quote, it's a 1,000-foot pole. 
That's the quote from John Yu. He's a uh, law professor now at UC Berkeley. And you may remember him more specifically as the author of memos saying, oh, it's not torture unless you do organ damage. John Yu, the torture memo man. Even he won't help Donald Trump. That's the good news. Hello, welcome to the show. Hey, I pushed a button and it works. C'est une chanson qui nous ressemble. Toi, tu m'aimes. Moi, je t'aime. Et nous vivions. From New Orleans, where they still haven't picked up all the garbage. I actually flew in to take care of that. Come on, move the truck over there. I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. The show, I said. 
And now some news of America's longest war. Well, it's over, but it's not over. The United States said this week it's offered to pay unspecified compensation to uh, the relatives of the 10 people in Afghanistan, including seven children, who were killed by mistake in a U.S. drone strike just as American forces were completing their withdrawal. It was kind of a, um, a goodbye, an airborne goodbye. In a statement, the Pentagon also said it was working with the State Department to relocate to the United States any of those relatives of those killed by, by mistake who wish to leave Taliban-ruled Afghanistan and move instead to the home country of the drone that killed their relatives. You know, it's possible. Stranger, the offer to pay these people was made Thursday in a meeting between Colin Cowell, the, the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, yeah, this is policy. And Stephen Kwan, the founder and president of an aid group active in, in Afghanistan. That's according to the Pentagon, quoted by Agence France Press. The uh, organization, the aid organization, Nutrition and Education International is the name of it. That's who employed the... Uh, man who was wrongly identified as an Islamic State militant by U.S. intelligence during the final chaotic days of evacuation from Kabul by the U.S. U.S. intelligence tracked his white Toyota for eight hours. That'll tell you a lot, really, if whether a guy is in IS or not. That eight-hour car ride before targeting the car with a missile, hitting seven children and three adults, including the uh, gentleman who was working for the aid organization. U.S. CENTCOM Commander General McKenzie said at the time American intelligence had seen the vehicle at a site in Kabul that had been identified as a location from which IS operatives were believed to be preparing attacks on the Kabul airport, like the one that had happened three days earlier. Believed, the operative word there. Last month, U.S. officials conceded the drone attack was an error. Oops. Oopsie. In uh, this week's meeting, Dr. Call, he was the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, noted the strike was a tragic mistake. Was it a policy? And that the gentlemen from the aid organization and others who were killed were innocent victims who bore no blame and were not affiliated with ISK or threats to U.S. forces. That's according to a statement by the Pentagon spokesman paid to say things like that. Dr. Call, he continued, reiterated the Secretary of Defense's commitment to the families, including offering ex gratia condolence payments. Oh, yeah, ex gratia, meaning, yeah, yeah, we'll do it, without saying how much money was offered. Let's see, what have I got on, got on me? Yeah, I can, I can cover that. Last month, relatives of the people killed in the attack demanded, demanded compensation and a face-to-face apology. So far, they haven't gotten that. They got uh, Secretary of Defense to apologize. But uh, the nephew of the aid worker who was killed said, that's not enough. They must come here and apologize to us face-to-face, he told Agence France Press in a bombed-out modest house in Kabul. His brother and young cousins also died in the blast. He said, 
The U.S. had made no direct contact with the family. That sounds like us. Hey, we're, we're gone. We're leaving. I'm so, we would love to chat with you now, but we got to skedaddle. He, uh, the late aid worker, worked with the organization over many years, providing care and life-saving assistance for people facing high mortality rates in Afghanistan, according to uh, the founder and president of the group. Well, sure he'd like it. Sure he'd approve of it. He runs it. No, um, we'll, we'll, we will, uh, we, that is to say I, here at Le Show, will continue to track that story to find out how much reparations we actually end up paying. Uh, just the mention of the word impels me to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, of a uh, little-known fact. Reparations were paid after the end of slavery to the former slave owners. And now, it's time for me to read, read the trades for you. From Advertising Age, beware of purpose watching. Washing. You can watch it all you want. I'll read it for you. The Association of National Advertisers, big uh, annual event, got back to live action. The in-person Masters of Marketing event in Orlando was anything but normal. Crowds were a fraction of the size of the pre-pandemic era. era. And um, in-person presentations were mixed with virtual ones. While nearly every speaker spoke about purpose marketing, there is some skepticism creeping in. Not that brands should abandon it, but there are good and bad ways to go about it. Raja Rajmanar, Chief Marketing and Communications Officer of MasterCard, spoke about the dangers of, quote, purpose washing. Quote, it's a nice soundbite for CEOs to state every company says, yeah, we're purpose driven. He said, yet he noted the importance of delivering on such statements, adding that profits and purpose are not mutually exclusive. Quote, MasterCard is good at heart, but we do have a formal formalized purpose. We look at every campaign we run, and is it laddering into every purpose we claim? Note new verb. Or is it something that is not? If not, let's reject it. Chief Marketing Officer of Deloitte, Susan Kunkel, dedicated an entire presentation to purpose. Noting how the management consulting firm has hired a Chief Purpose Officer. Still, Kunkel warned that, quote, as marketers, we need to make sure we don't go too far. When we talk about purpose as the central message, I believe that purpose is the lens through which you look at everything. But it's not a campaign. Rachel Ferdinando, Chief Marketing Officer at Frito-Lay, said purpose is about authentically enhancing someone's life. 
She added that while purpose should be at the core of what you do and inform everything you do, quote, you have to be really careful about how you interpret it. Not everything has to lead to big gestures. Frito-Lay has tied its social impact work to its brands. That includes uh, Stacy's, the pita chip brand, started by a woman supporting women entrepreneurs with mentoring through its RISE project. Pinterest used the marketing event to announce a new feature called Merchant Details that allows brands selling goods at Pinterest to highlight values like eco-friendly, inclusive, invested in good, or should I say good, and responsibly sourced. Consumers, that's us, buy from brands that align to their personal values, so we're making it easier for easier for them than ever to showcase that, said the Pinterest chief revenue officer. There's an emerging trend of brands touting everyday environmentalism in their consumer-facing marketing. Quote, consumers want the best product while being environmentally conscious, but they're not sure what to do all the time, said the chief brand officer of Procter & Gamble, Mark Pritchard. Tide has a campaign called Cold Callers, encouraging people to wash loads in cold water, using detergent designed to perform without using all that energy to heat water up. He also pointed to Cascade's Do It Every Night campaign, which builds running a dishwasher every night as an environmentally friendly solution that uses less water than washing dishes by hand. Darren Beck of Sustainable Brands, which advises brands on sustainability, said historically messaging has been guilting people into it. But that preachy approach, she says, is just falling flat after all these years. Instead, he challenged brands to, quote, figure out what the world needs, what that person wants, and how you can help them in that journey. Part of the answer is knowing who you are. The audience was asked a question, or directed a, an audience question about healthy food option to McDonald's chief marketing and digital customer experience officer, Morgan Flatley. She said the world's largest restaurant company takes its cues from diners and will never be leading edge on something like plant-based burgers, but would rather be a, quote, fast follower. McDonald's does have a long-term deal with Beyond Meat, she said. But its meatless burgers aren't yet on U.S. menus.
Don't lay, don't get your purpose tangled up with your profits, though. An important lesson. Gleaned from me reading the trades for you. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for me to introduce news of the Olympic movement. News of the Olympic movement, I say. Kind of produced by Jim Ebersol III. The 2028 Olympics in Los Angeles are still nearly seven years away, but the city council has set a self-imposed deadline of November 1st of this year to come up with an agreement with the Olympic and Paralympic committees and LA28, the private nonprofit consortium responsible for running the games, as to how the city will host the event. The city, whose outgoing mayor has been an outspoken opponent, he's no so supporter, I mean, never outspoken by anybody, but he's outgoing and not and outspoken. What he's also determined by that date, the city will make a decision as to whether to expand L.A. airport to accommodate the anticipated Olympic crowds. The council is also slated to decide whether to expand a loophole in the city's housing codes to allow up to 14,000 more short-term rentals in a city that also that already has a vast number of homeless residents. Although the nation, the source I'm quoting from here, prefers to call them unhoused. I would say some of them are unapartmented too. Airbnb is one of the sponsors, the corporate sponsors of the 2028 Olympics, you see. Get the connection? So far, the negotiations around what the agreement will look like all have been done behind closed doors. There has been no public input. For uh, an example, the agreement around the Tokyo Games ran to 185 pages, suggesting an awful lot of big-picture decisions will affect the city's future and are being decided in secret. The city is also, according to uh, a local union official, Kurt Peterson, stonewalled multiple Public Records Act requests for information. Requests from the union in response to this. Unite Here recently launched a campaign urging the council to delay a vote on the agreement until the public has kind of a say as to what it looks like. A former world-ranked South African swimmer has told an Australian television network he was abused by a coach who's been implicated in several other sexual assault cases involving swimmers. Anthony Rochi was a 1,500-meter swimmer, hoping, uh, training with the hope that he might make the South African team for the 2000 Sydney Olympics when he began working with Australian John Wright in 1998. He told 
Australia's ABC television, that Wright sexually assaulted him over a period of six months that year. My whole life I had to lie to people and tell them I wasn't good enough to go to the Olympics. It just wasn't for me, and I can tell now people that I was good enough, but that my dreams were destroyed by this horrible man. And a heralded Queens Public Pool Central to New York City's failed 2012 Olympic bid has been shuttered since before the pandemic. As many as a dozen workers show up daily without swimmers to serve. One of six public indoor pools closed for maintenance. But this one was built for an Olympics that never happened. It's still a movement and we all need one every day. It's time to end my lonely holiday And bid the country a hasty farewell So on this gray and melancholy day I'll move to a Manhattan hotel I'll dispose of my rose-colored chattels And prepare for my share of adventures and battles Here on the 27th floor Looking down on the city I hate and Does it seem so inviting? Autumn in New York It spells the thrill of first nighting Glittering crowds and shimmering clouds in canyons of steel they're making me
from Not New York. This is the show. And now, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. A preprint study, first published in Med Archive, that claimed a 1 in 1,000 risk of getting myocarditis from a COVID vaccination has been withdrawn due to miscalculations. Med Archive is a website that publishes studies that have yet to be peer-reviewed. The study was first published mid-September, conducted by researchers at the University of Ottawa. It was widely used to promote the idea that COVID-19 vaccine is unsafe for use. The study, however, has been retracted due to this miscalculation, according to Reuters. The rate of myocarditis, inflammation of the heart muscle, was calculated by dividing the number of COVID vaccines in Ottawa by the number of incidences of the heart condition. By their calculations, the risk of myocarditis was 1 in 1,000, or 0.1%. However, however, the numbers used by the study were wrong. The authors hugely underestimated the amount of vaccines delivered, giving a number 25 times smaller than the actual amount. They said the number of vaccines delivered was 32,000. It was actually 854,000. As a result of the miscalculation, the study was withdrawn. With the researchers saying, our reported incidents appeared vastly inflated by an incorrectly small denominator. In order to avoid misleading either colleagues or the general public and press, we, the authors, unanimously wish to withdraw this paper on the grounds of incorrect data. The University of Ottawa Heart Institute issued a statement. This is why it's in this particular part of the show. We are sorry this error led to information about the incidence of post-vaccine myocarditis. COVID vaccines are safe and have been proven effective against the disease. We invite anyone who has not yet received the shot to please get vaccinated. We extend our apology to Ottawa Public Health for our miscalculation. We thank the Office of Public Health for their continuous support. Should have involved the math department, I guess. Dayline Cincinnati. Not going to read Dayline Cincinnati. Moving on, a Texas superintendent apologized to his district this week after a top official told teachers to, quote, make sure that if you have a book on the Holocaust that you have one that has an opposing, that has other perspectives. The comment, first reported by NBC News, led to widespread outrage. There's a lot of that going around. State lawmakers on both sides of the slit of the aisle condemned the implication of an opposing side to the Holocaust, as did the Anti-Defamation League. It's unclear if Gina Petty, the district's executive director of curriculum and instruction, will face any disciplinary action for her comments. Lane Ledbetter. Tom? Lane Ledbetter. Perfect. The superintendent of South Lake's Carroll Independent School District, this is in Texas, said in a statement to families, the official's comments, quote, were in no way to convey that the Holocaust was anything less than a terrible event in history. We recognize there are not two sides of the Holocaust, said Ledbetter. As a district, we will work to add clarity to our expectations for teachers, and I once again apologize for any hurt or confusion this has caused, unquote. Petty made the remarks during a meeting about which books were allowed in classroom libraries, or libraries, 
It is Texas, after all. This is not nearly enough, tweeted Southlake Together, a local community organization. The apology isn't enough. The explanation isn't enough. The promise to be better isn't enough. Enough is enough. Finally, we know what enough is. I've been waiting for a long time. Former Los Las Vegas Raiders coach and NFL broadcaster John Gruden mocked President Biden, calling him a clu clueless kitty cat, not the real word used, according to new leaked emails. These emails were obtained and reviewed by the New York Times, which this week coined the, the word if-pology. Yeah, they coined it. They made it up. The New York Times. They published details of Gruden's email messages earlier this week, revealing a litany of racist, homophobic, and other vulgar language used by the former Super Bowl-winning coach and primetime broadcaster dating back to 2011. That was... Um, he... Um, yeah, I'll, I'll finish one of these sentences. There's, there's a, some gibberish in this piece. The... Uh, well, he, um, Gruden, the former coach, reportedly referred to Biden as a clueless kitty cat. Yes, I told you that. He um, resigned on Monday, soon after the Times published the details of his emails, which were sent from a private account. I love the Raiders and do not want to be a distraction, he said. Thank you to all the players, coaches, staff, and fans of Raider Nation. I'm sorry. I never meant to hurt anyone. In other emails, he had also denounced the hiring of women referees and criticized players protesting for racial justice during the national anthem. He also used a racial trope to describe the physical appearance of the uh, head of the NFL Players Association, a trope involving the size of that person's lips. He's, he didn't mean to hurt anybody. It was a hurt apology. Steal that, New York Times. After 75 years of cultural appropriation of the Native American community, or so they say, shoe brand Minnetonka is apologizing and promising to do better. In honor of Indigenous Peoples Day this, this year, this week, the Minneapolis-based company said it was committed to supporting Native Americans through a series of initiatives that include the recent hire of an activist and member of a, the Ojibwe tribe, as reconciliation advisor, Minnetonka's CEO, David Miller, not an indigenous name, noted the company's commitment to, quote, listening to and acting on the guidance of our Native American advisors. Such advisors are helping the brand to, quote, do the right thing, unquote. Our journey, no, the quote continues, our journey to honor and invest in the Native American community will forever be a part of our company actions going forward. That's an unquote. Minnetonka, founded in 1946, noted it first publicly acknowledged cultural appropriation of Native Americans last year. And they apologized for it. A newly opened Japanese host club has apologized for its lack of awareness after photos of its staff wearing Nazi-themed clothing sparked outrage on social media. An outrage apology. 
Get that one, New York Times. Staff with male hosts who entertain and pour customers drinks the club called Unfair opened in the southern prefecture of Osaka. But things quickly went wrong when photos emerged showing the staff posing in uniforms that resembled those of the Nazi army with armbands bearing swastikas. Even the champagne bottles had swastika designs. The parent company of the club shut down the establishment after it received criticism on Twitter. Campaign Against Anti-Semitism, a British nonprofit group, called the club disgusting. The Simon Wiesenthal Center tweeted, Japanese women are supposed to be attracted by men dressed up as SS Nazi murderers? Where is Japanese outrage? asked the Wiesenthal Center. The host club's parent company said it sincerely apologized for our lack of knowledge and awareness. Who knew the Nazis were bad? We caused discomfort for a lot of people. We will take your comments seriously and we'll work to make sure this sort of thing never happens again. Whatever this sort of thing might be. A um, 62-year-old Grafton County, New Hampshire man this week avoided jail time or home confinement for participating in the January 6th Capitol riot. Federal judge said his contrition appeared sincere and that his conduct inside the building was substantially less severe than many others charged for their roles in the insurrection. Thomas R. Gallagher apologized during the 70-minute sentencing hearing, telling the judge, Carl Nichols, he wanted to do so in person. I'm the type of guy that if you do something, you own up to it. That's what I'm doing, he said during his one-minute speech. The length of a commercial. I'm apologizing to you, sir. To the prosecutor, Congress, all the police officers involved, the FBI, for any anxiety that I caused them, any fear. It's an anxiety apology, New York Times. He had pleaded guilty in July to a misdemeanor count of parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a U.S. Capitol building. He may have been in the building for about 30 minutes, was in the Capitol Visitor Center with other rioters for about nine minutes before he was arrested. He had admonished others not to engage in violent or destructive acts, encouraging one rioter to put down a chair rather than (laughs) throw it toward police. He was sentenced to 24 months probation, $500 restitution, 60 hours of community service, and a $10 special assessment just for the hell of it. The judge said the events of January 6th were exceptionally serious, he, uh, in comparison to the conduct of many others that day, the judge said Mr. Gallagher's conduct was less severe and in many ways substantially less severe. See, if you're nice when you riot, good things happen. Employees at a Target distribution center in Michigan were quite dismayed when they discovered what they called a cruel prank involving fortune cookies. The employees said a day after being told their holiday pay rate would only include a $2 per hour raise, which is less than they wanted. They said they received fortune cookies with messages mocking their situation. I see money in your future. It's not yours, though, one fortune cookie read. Another said, the fortune you seek is in another cookie. The cookies arrived a day after the employees were told about the holiday pay. Not one of those I read was uplifting or positive, said one of the employees at the center. Employees said Target officials apologized after the case got media attention. Quote, 
At Target, we take our team members' concerns seriously, and we work directly with them to quickly address any issues, said a spokesperson. We provided snacks to the team this week, including fortune cookies with pre-printed messages inside. We've looked into this and are confident Target did not have any hand in choosing the written fortunes. They were simply the messages that came in the fortune cookies. you got to read the fortunes, guys. Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers issued a formal apology for Wisconsin's role in Native American boarding schools. Man, this is the year we learned about all these different residential boarding schools that different countries provided for their indigenous populations over the 19th and 20th centuries. Not in school, on the radio. Uh, He apologized, joining with insiders from tribes in the state at an Indigenous Peoples Day event. He signed an executive order that also formally supported the previously announced Department of Interior investigation into the schools, asking that anything done in Wisconsin be conducted in consultation with the state's tribes. They got 11 of them. Starting with the Indian Civilization Act of 1819, the U.S. enacted laws and policies to establish and support Indian boarding schools across the nation. For 150 years, indigenous children were taken away from their communities and forced into boarding schools that focused on assimilation. Don't talk like that. Talk like this. A British police chief resigned Thursday after sparking an outcry with comments that he made about how women should be more, quote, streetwise. He was speaking about the abduction, rape, and murder of a woman by a police officer. Philip Alcott stepped down as the police fire and crime commissioner after being accused of misogyny and victim-blaming. After comments he made in a radio interview in the aftermath of the sentencing of London police officer Wayne Cousins, who did the kidnapping, raping, and killing. Women, he said, meant to be street, uh, need to be streetwise about what they can be, when they can be arrested, and they can't be arrested. He said Everard, the victim, should never have been arrested and submitted to that. Many women were outraged. Allett had already apologized and retracted the comment, resigned after his staff gave him a vote of no confidence. Amid explosive revelations about kids under the care of the Child Protective Services living in horrific conditions in Fresno County, California, the top executive of the county this week acknowledged he didn't know about the crisis until the day before. Jean Rousseau, not the one you're thinking of, made the comments after showing up unannounced to a Thursday news conference organized by social workers and other county employees who were drawing attention to the conditions. Rousseau said he toured the office on Wednesday, which is when he acknowledges he first learned of the conditions the children were facing. Staffers were sent out the next day to buy cots and inflatable mattresses to be used by the children. They were sleeping on yoga mats. I was frustrated, quite frankly, says the county official with the department management, that they didn't bring it to my attention because I would have acted sooner. It was brought to the public's attention by the Fresno Bee newspaper on Wednesday. Rousseau apologized while speaking to the media, saying sorry to the children who faced poor conditions and the workers who overseed them. 
Yoga mats. That would be a mat apology, New York Times. Deadline Dallas Southwest Airlines apologized this week for stranding tens of thousands of passengers. Starting last week, said it was working to make sure it doesn't happen again until we don't notice. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Um, you know the two major pieces of legislation of the Biden administration are um, caught in a seemingly endless series of squabbles within and between houses of the uh, United States Congress. And some people have said the uh, president should be more, more forceful in um, trying to solve this since it's his agenda that's at stake and his poll numbers are going down. And maybe he's been listening. Chuck, Nancy, I hope it didn't uh, keep you waiting too long. Just long enough, Mr. President. You take as much time as you want to keep us waiting, sir. Well, I appreciate you both, as you well know. Uh, I guess what I want to get across to you is that I'd really like to appreciate you both a lot more. I mean, uh, look, here's the deal. Uh, We've we got some bills to pass, right? Mr. President, obviously, we've done our job. We've passed the infrastructure bill. And, sir, as you know, that's the uh, easy part of the process. And it's uh, two of leaders, Schumer's senators, who are uh, gumming up the rest of the works. As you know, Mr. President, the Senate is a different place from the House. It's, uh, well, and like Madam Speaker, I can't herd my members. Well, as I remember from being in the so-called upper house, uh, the majority leader barely better get his members to uh, clean themselves up after taking a good old number two. <laughs> <laughs> but as my staff keeps hearing, mm-hmm. majority leader can't even get his two so-called moderates to come here to meet with you, sir. You have to pardon me, not literally, <laughs> but pardon me for thinking... That's disrespect to you, Mr. President. Chuck, is that deal? Or Manchin and Sinema disrespecting their president? Sir, I plead guilty uh-huh. to not being able to figure out what's in, Sen- in Senator Sinema's mind. But that reconciliation bill is asking Senator Manchin to sign off on closing down his state's biggest industry. Mm-hmm. Which is coal. Mm-hmm. That's like me asking you, Chuck, to close down J.P. Morgan Chase. Isn't that the deal? Interesting that he doesn't know what's on a woman senator's mind. Maybe she's trying to protect her state's main industry. Which is? Oh, I don't know. Maybe the Grand Canyon. Look, here's the deal. When I was a United States senator, I didn't look kindly on getting advice from the president, whoever the heck it was. Because otherwise I'd go down there dear into Pennsylvania Avenue right now and knock some heads. Maybe even knock them together. So you tell me, what do these people want? Does cinema want a water project from Arizona? I mean, if Arizona doesn't want a water project, I can't imagine who would. Sir, bottom line, I've met with her enough to have seen each different pair of her sunglasses at least (laughs) twice. What she wants is uh, her little secret. What she wants is to win re-election by having as little to do as possible with other Democrats. I've seen this act before. Every day she holds out, her polls go up. Really? Have you checked that? Because, Sir, 
I've been here since before they invented polls, okay? Mr. President, on that, I think we can all agree. (laughs) Come on, man. It's the 20s. The other 20s. So what's Mansion want? Some roads repaved? Well, to be honest, sir, I think he'd like some roads paved. But he's just so wedded to that trillion and a half price tag. That he needs a good divorce. (sighs) Okay, look, I'm going to think around the box here. Wouldn't one or the other of them like to go up and Jeff Bezos' next space trip? I mean, I, he gave me a cell sir, number. At, sir, sir, Tom is not on our side. Oh, tell me about it. I've got donors calling me up and requesting refunds. And it's time for our progressive friends to hear from you that that reconciliation bill has got to take a serious haircut. Well, i got to give it to him. Bernie's been pretty darn professional about this whole process, mm-hmm. but... Uh, But I've got dozens of members who might be willing to take a trim, but they're not going to sit still for a buzz cut. Chuck, you think you could uh, convince your two amigos to come up to Camp David for a couple of days? It's much uh, easier to put the squeeze up there where the leaves are turning and, and, uh, and the... And you could refer to the sacrifice of your late son without it seeming too pre rehearsed. (laughs) I don't know about that. Chuck... Do you want me to call Kristen and have a woman-to-woman with her? You know, we'll laugh about you guys for an hour or so, and then... Look, I'm going to leave you two here to to hash this out. I've got to get another booster. I'm getting one every week until we can break the back of this thing. Open up the window, see the AC, free from the grips of the humidity time to trade your shorts for jeans it's autumn in new orleans just like the springtime without the bugs breezes is gentle as grandma's hug Streets start filling up with tourists and teens. Autumn in New Orleans. Saints back playing, magnolia swaying, shaking off the last spring's beans. Party time beginning. Saints keep winning Who knows where this thing leads Second line starts snaking Up and down the street Glove hands clapping To the dancing feet Friday night fish rides White limousines All of in new
Pelicans start balling. Duck blinds calling. Dog and niggas swift returning. Ghosts to a romancing. Idiots start dancing. Soon enough to find fires burning. So goodbye to grilling. And those is willing Fix up a mess of red beans Welcome back the order To old new Orleans mm-hmm. Oh, new Orleans Now, news of the warm, very quickly. Come on, Rod, sing it. Soft, listen to the The number of abandoned oil and gas wells in the United States is much higher than previously thought, according to an exclusive analysis shared with the Washington Post. The analysis done by the Environmental Defense Fund and McGill University in Canada found there are 81,000 documented orphan wells across the country that were drilled and then improperly abandoned by oil and gas companies. That's nearly one and a half times the previous estimate from the Interstate and Oil and Gas Compound Commission. Each orphan well is a major climate problem. It spews methane, a potent greenhouse gas. While methane breaks down in the atmosphere faster than CO2, it's about 86 times more powerful at warming the planet In the short term, about 9 million Americans live within one mile of an orphan well. It's all 50 states have them. Number of undocumented orphan wells could be as high as 3.4 million. The account in the headline was just those that have been documented. Quote, we can plug all these documented wells, but there are still going to be undocumented wells wells that are causing problems said um, an official with the Environmental Protection Agency, so we might just be scratching the surface, he says. News of the warm, ladies and gentlemen. Scratching the surface and itching down below. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this edition of the show. I'm going to exhale a sigh of relief 
that I didn't make more technical errors. I made just enough. And I'll make more next week at the same time over these same stations and on your audio device of choice whenever you want to experience it. And it'll be just like getting a booster shot every week if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you? Already, thank you very much. Uh-huh. Tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead, and to Thomas Walsh. Fighting the good fight here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this show. What show has an email address at this point in time? This one does. It is, you can also find the playlist of the music on this show and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts. No supply chain problem with those. It's all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the Crescent City. And you want some trash to go? 